episode 75 of this Joshi journey through the 2010s, just out of the Dark Ages. Yes, Mako Satamora. <laughs> the White Whale herself. The Blue Unicorn. We get to see a Mako Satamora match. Main event. And yes, the first Sendai Girls. Senjo is here. Show. That we've done. It's taken 75 episodes for us to get a DVD, a set, and a show worth discussing on this 2010s journey. <clears throat> so, I've, I've, I've spoken about this before, uh, whether it's on uh, Red Leaf Proper, here, that this idea that Mako Satomura ha- ha- kept the scene alive, saved the scene, the training, etc., 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 vastly overblown. And yes, there was the earthquake in 2011 that devastated Sendai and put this promotion out for half a year, essentially, because of the flooding and uh, the damage that occurred and slowly coming back, recruiting funds, getting it open, uh, running Sendai again, waiting for those buildings to go. That's all true. But then we, when we look at the rest of the scene, you know, where is Mako showing up? When, where and when are Sendai Sachiko, Dash Chisako and company, uh, those girls showing up in other promotions? And it's still pretty rare. They're not getting booked. Uh, in fact, if you go to uh, do a little research on Sendai Sachiko, she essentially wrestled in Okinawa for those seven months in 2011. Right? They did some JWP shots, did some other shots here and there, but it was mostly Mako Satomura kind of trying to rebuild things. But if we look at look a little further to where this promotion was prior to the 2010s, it was doing pretty okay, mostly off the back of what's going to happen to the scene now that AJW and Gaia had closed down and out came uh, Sendai. And they had some pretty good attendances out of the gate through 2007 to 2009. That's kind of when they, they had their their bigger attendances uh, just coming off the heels of those two closing the promotions and people wanted to check it out. Uh, but they were still generally getting about 700 people uh, to their shows and exclusively running in Sendai, more or less. Uh, throughout uh, 2008, 2009, they would pop a couple houses, right? Maybe they get over a thousand here and there, but mostly they were sticking to the Sendai Pit type places. So here we are in 2012, full relief effort, and uh, they're running the uh, Sun Plaza, which is a building that gets about 3,000 people, more or less. And they're going to sell this sucker out, essentially, at 2,600. And I believe this number. (laughs) I do. I do believe this number. It's very hard to see people in the arena because it's extremely dark and they probably could have fit more people in. But the people are so far away from the ring that while you're watching the action, you don't even really get to see uh, what's like what the what the crowd's doing. And you can't hear the crowd either, whether that's the fault of the acoustics of the building or maybe it's just we watched a show that didn't uh, garner very much reaction in general. So what is this show exactly? Well, it is their uh, second highest attended show that they've ever done. 
Now, some people will point to these like uh, rock fest shows and and uh, water park things that they claim were five thousand plus. Not the case. But this will go down as the second highest drawing show in Sendai's history. And I do believe the number, more or less. Which is kind of shocking. <laughs> the more I looked into it and tried to pay attention during the show, uh, this is what we got. <clears throat> so we've gone over Reina. We've gone over a lot of different promotions. Reina for the first time an episode or so ago. And now we're finally doing Sendai. And why has it taken so long? Well, a couple reasons. It's very hard to locate and find any archives, uh, especially of their early shows, uh, this time in particular, that we're currently in. When we get to around the 2015 era through the 2017, 2018, going to be a little bit easier to find some of those shows because they were, they were much hotter a number of years from now. And uh, that's because of a young talent that came in and young talent surround, surrounding the scene with uh, lots of retirements impending, and we're going to get more and more of those as, as time goes on, young talent hits the scene, and hits it hard, and got people hyped. But Sendai, in this case, they can't keep a strong roster around. Uh, they clearly went through some financial troubles due to the earthquake, which is very understandable. Understandable. And this is their big kind of return show after a year and a half of rebuilding and uh, advertising. It was it was heavily advertised, especially in uh, the Miyagi region, uh, Sendai region in general. It, it was it was a proud kind of moment for the city uh, to do this show. I found a lot of articles in magazines advertising it and promoting it. So it was it was well done in that sense. So here we are, Fairy, Spirit, and Sendai from December 15th, 2012, with a card that happened. Um, when I go over the matches that's across this show, uh, you're going to kind of have a... At least you'll have a thought of bewilderment, and just maybe, oh, that's not that doesn't sound that bad. But... From what I've come to see, at least in this time period, and you can kind of see some of these promotions still doing this tell, is they'll book some some heavy veteran across matches uh, in the under and mid card. In this case, you have two vets in the main event facing young people, uh, very promotional heavy uh, uh, internally in in the mindset while you have a lot more of the older talent doing their thing in the undercard. And the reason behind that is generally a, a, a few reasons. Namely, a lot of them don't want to do jobs to each other. That's a huge one. And then the other is they know they can't go like they used to. So in order to accomplish both those things... They put who they think is going to draw the highest at the top, basically doing a solo story against the young person trying to overcome them. And they've done this time and time again. And they might get you with a comedy match here or there, maybe a trios match in the undercard where you'll be 
<laughs> shocked to find out it's more a mixture of young people and as it's described and as it's coined now, the old guard. And that's what Sendai is at this time. It is an old guard promotion, through and through, without question, as I just closed my notes by accident. <clears throat> so who's on this card? What are the names? Well, you got Kyoko Inoue, Minami Toyota. You got Mayumi Ozaki, Carlos Amano. You have the f <laughs> Iger and Saka Hirota. They're in a match. Shinobu Kandori, Ayaka Hamada. Leon, Tsubasa Kuragaki, Aja Kong, Mako Satomura, just a host of names from all these different promotions, uh, kind of their top workers in their respective, you got LLPW, you got Oz Academy, JWP, you have AJW, you have Gaia, Arsian, just every promotion you can name, and their, we'll put it in quotes, stars are on this card. And w with the mixture of the grand promotion that is full that I fully respect and pushing the show as hard as they did, it doesn't shock me that with these names and how they did it, they got a sold out show at Sendai Sun Plaza of 2600 capacity, not that's what they're coining it as. You can get 3000 people in there. I'm, I'm almost assuredly or close to it. So it wasn't quite sold out. Clearly, there was more space in and around the ring, and they chose not to, to fill that part in. But you can see people up in the balconies. And overall, this show was very dark and quiet. So what was the main story going to the show? And from my understanding, across the year of Sendai, and that is the story of Kagetsu over the last year, year and a half, two years, where she changed her name and became Kagetsu, marked that she's going to be a new wrestler, and then she went out there and got pummeled by Dynamite Kansai. Shockingly, not on this card, but I'm pretty sure she's injured around this time. She hasn't been uh, involved with Oz Academy all that much in 2011. Road to recovery. As we've, as I've kind of speculated, as you, you watch her wrestle and her overall physical health, you can kind of see there's deterioration there of some kind. So Kagetsu has this story along the lines of she has to she has to and wants to beat one of these vets namely Mako Satomura is at the top of the list because trainer because owner of owner and booker of Sendai and Aja Kong's number 2 now what Yoshiko is doing here in this main event I could not figure out or fathom Yoshiko's involved with stardom maybe it has something to do with the Nanai Takahashi connection uh, that she has, that this would be a good spot for her. Maybe Nanai just couldn't make it, and she was originally going to be in the spot. None of this I could confirm. It was just kind of my loose thoughts on that. And then the under, and, and for the rest of the card, it's exactly as I spoke about over this tell of booking malpractice of no one wants to do jobs, and you still book them anyways, and you book them in the most mundane worthless no stakes matches you can imagine and even then even if you go with these wrestlers can't go what they used to the overall sloppiness and laziness on the show was pretty incredible uh and this being the second highest true drawing show sendai's ever had 
it's no wonder they really got back to this feat ever again. <clears throat> they do it again for Mako Satomura's, what was it, 15th, 20th anniversary or whichever. Let's see. Yeah, because they get, yeah, they get 2,800, same building uh, for her 20th anniversary show. So that's something to look forward to in 2015. And that's what I'm talking about. 2015 is kind of their their big year where they're, and I still have to run the data. I believe they're the number one promotion in the scene. And that is something I'm working on. Uh, on the side, diligently, is putting together my Joshi stats. And I'm taking most of the data from WrestlingData.com that I can, that I can uh, get. But for those that aren't following along or listen to RLR proper and you just you're into this journey, what I do is I take the attendances, only the shows that that get 300 plus, because I think that's a number of truly, quote unquote, drawing in the Joshi scene. It's a lower number. And generally, when the when the promotions get a number of that minimum, they tell us at least in the time, and there's going to be a time when promotions like Sendai themselves here uh, stop you uh, stop keeping track of attendance. They stop announcing them. And what do I always say for those listening? It's, <laughs> if you're doing well, you love to announce the numbers, and if you're not doing well, you hide the numbers. You don't brag about something bad. You brag about something good. So Sendai, here we go, Fairy Spirit, the first show, and we start off with Kyoko Inoue, Rei, and the young Sari taking on and defeating Manami Toyota, Nana Kawasa, and Rabbit Miyu. Now that, this, this, this match comes very shortly after Manami Toyota uh, accidentally uh, breaks the um shin bone uh of the of the young wrestler that inevitably retires now Kamatsu on the Oz Academy show we just covered uh from the Ran Yu retirement show. So Minami Toyota turns this around about a week later and she's in the opener here. Uh still doing dives, still doing Minami Toyota things. And yet booking Rabbit Miyu across uh across the scene still perplexes me. I get that she's probably a fan favorite of sorts and she's not really uh being booked strongly through a lot of capacity, but boy she gets a lot. She gets a lot of bookings. So c- credit to her. Not my favorite wrestler to watch, but here we are with young Sari who looks like she's in knockoff Azumi gear. And then Ray. Ray is one of my favorite in the scene. I really wish somebody would have pushed her. Uh, to a degree that was much uh, larger. I wish as soon as she went freelance in Ice Ribbon, um, a promotion like JWP would have maybe get, given her a chance to make a run at the top. But I've been I've been playing that song and dance for a long time with promotions like Oz Academy and JWP in particular, uh, where I just don't get the idea of holding people back from the main event and not giving them chances. Uh, Sachi Abe is kind of my very much perplexing one in JWP. Something tells me it's more of a her decision than the promotions decision, but regardless, she's an example. 
Ray was always along that along those lines. And what's fascinating to me is still that a lot of these promotions do not have titles. Sendai does not have any titles. They just like to run the local shows. That's what they do. It's it's just a running house show, essentially. Uh, they run two shows every month or so. Uh, we'll call it six to eight weeks. They'll run two shows. And at this time, they're only running about 15 to 20 shows a year. And they keep that up for a while until they start getting much hotter. So Kyoko went away. She's in there. She beats up the young guys. Manami Toyota uh, really puts over uh, in a good sequence with Sari. And Manami Toyota, very uh, selfless when it comes to these things. She's not afraid to do that. Kyoko, to her credit, did a little bit with Nana Kawasa. Not really sure why her exactly. But maybe because of the whole powerhouse and who knows. Uh, Ray was very much absent throughout the most of the match. And remember, these DVDs do cut out things here and there, but it's usually through like rest holds and, and outside brawls. So I do feel like I got to see the important stuff on this show. The match ends with Kyoko Inoue just giving Nana Kaosa a lariat and pins her one, two, three. Not much going on here. So then we get the next match. It's a 10-minute match between Carlos Amano and Miami Ozaki. You may remember these two battling in Oz Academy for the title and going to war. Uh, Carlos Amano, queen of headbutt style. Can't imagine why uh, she retired early. <laughs> and Miami Ozaki, queen of something. Queen of Badass, I don't know. Well, this 10-minute match on this journey in the Joshi 2010s is the worst match I've seen from either of these two people. Miami Ozaki left the cronies at home, so it was just her and her chain, and Carlos Amano trying to do headbutts. And when I say this, is, this might be less than a one-star match, I do not kid you. They botched or missed or flubbed on just about every move that you can see in this DVD. And there were so many cuts and so many just, well, misses. They constantly missed each other throughout the match. I have never seen anything like this. What? <laughs> it's so fascinating. Like, just something as simple as Ozaki doing her uh, just spinning axe handle that she does, where she knocks him down. She attempts this three times, and it progressively gets more and more away from Armano's face and chest, where by the third time, she's swinging like a 50-mile-an-hour changeup had fooled her 60 feet early, and, she, and, and it, it's incredible. Uh, all the way down to Armano coming off the ropes, Ozaki has the chain, and then she just throws it at her, and it, like, hits her knee. Like, she can't even throw the chain that she's so accustomed to properly at her opponent. It is a disaster of a match that they end up, like, looking at each other and wondering what to do multiple times, and they just go, all right, we'll just hit the ropes and try again. Oh, missed that. Try that one more time. An astounding atrocity of a match. Uh, half a star. And I still think that might be generous. Ozaki uh, pins Amano like it's yesterday's Burger King. Just puts it in the trash. 
and forget any rivalry that they ever had. Horrible. What a horrible match. So we have the the kind of basic opener trios match, which I can't say it's the best match on the show, but it really doesn't do anything, and it was incredibly long, 13 minutes. Then you have this botch fest, followed by Sakura and Iger. Yes, the ghost, the ghost woman, right? Hiroda, the comedy wrestler, Gaia Japan, Iger. Yeah, hello PW, you know the drill. Much longer than 6 minutes 49 seconds on this clock that's listed here. Because Sakurota cuts a long stand-up comedy promo with very bad jokes. I actually actually found a subtitled message board (laughs) that translated all this. But it's really just a lot of drowning on and on and on. Because I really wanted to see what people thought of the show in real time. And the overall consensus is that it was a boring show that accomplished nothing. And this was their big opportunity to impress and get people back into these shows and see these see these stars of Sendai, if you will. So Hiroda's talking about Iger. Iger comes out. They do the ghost girl thing. They attempt to have some... It, it's... Hiroda will run around the ring, Iger will chase, she'll be the ghoul, uh, put the arms on the shoulders, pretend it's scary. They do some roll-ups. Iger will fall on some fans when she goes outside. They'll do a little chase scene like out of Scooby-Doo around the ring. And Iger wins with a fucking small package. Who cares? So bad. And you know what's funny? When there's memes and whatnot going around on online and through other groups that watch Joshi, and they say they say things like, "Oh, these two are a treasure," and all this. Well, there's 2,600 people in this arena, and you hear like three people laughing. Okay, it's not a draw. It's not interesting. It's in the mid card. It stinks. It stinks. So we're already in halfway of the card. We have two bad matches if you can even call one of them that. So now we have Shuri, who is on a hot streak, ending 2012. She is getting booked, and she's getting booked in protected roles of sorts, and getting put over pretty strong. Namely, the Ayumi Kurihara match, right? And she's teaming with Miyako Morino. And I'm looking at this going, that's Misaki Owada. Why is she being called Mar- Miyako Marino? And it's just like a goofy gimmick, like rookie thing that she'd bust out every now and again. And this is the weird, the weirdest thing that sometimes happens uh, in some of these Joshi promotions is they will quote unquote redebut you in some rookie form. To, as a callback to the past, and they'll play on it like it's comedy a bit. And the way I took this was, Misaki Iwata was going to lose this match to Shinobu Kandori and Ayako Hamada, of all people. This, this, These two tandem. And Shuri was protected, so Misaki Iwata had to do the job, and she didn't want to use her name, uh... Presumably, I'm doing a lot of presumptions here, presumably 
that when it shows up in like newspapers or shoe pro that it's not directly tied to her and they're like oh they did a gimmick it's all right it doesn't like count toward what towards what she's doing in wave or her actual Masaki Iwata character some sort of protection there and so Hamada and Kendori work this match like they're beating up a rookie so it's Ohada just selling, 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 maybe a dropkick comeback, and then it's no sold, and Shinobu Kandori's doing her, uh uh uh, I can get you at any time, little gimmick routine. And the age has caught up to Kandori real quick at this point in time. She's not as uh, muscular as she is, she's got the blonde hair, she's moving real slow. Uh, Ayakamada, she's still doing moonsaults and the stuff, her, her knees haven't gotten to her yet. Uh, so she's still doing very well, and the match was very boring, extremely boring, a lot of just bad mat work, Shinobu Kandori putting in basically zero effort. When I talked about a lazy effort going on, this is who I was talking about, and she bogs down this match to a crawl. 10 minutes and 43 seconds to see Hamada hit a moonsault on Miyako Moreno. Uh, look, Shuri gets one armbar attempt on Kandori, which he pretty much immediately gets the ropes, kicks Amada a few times, but Shuri is essentially absent for this. This was the Masaki Iwata cell fest for the vets, and Kandori's, uh, well, ego in the match just being in the way. Not good. And this crowd was toast at this point in time. So on to our semi-main event, Dash Chishako and Sendai Sachiko. Taking on Leon and Tsubasa Kuragaki. 17 minutes, 28 seconds. Oh my god, a real match. Can you believe it? And this was... This was a good time. I thought this was easily the best match on the show. Namely, for the energy and excitement level. Now, the crowd really didn't care because it's essentially a repeat matchup of the JWP Tag League the Best from earlier in the year. And Sendai Sachiko and Dash were... A great tandem in this match. Sendai Sachiko has phenomenal gear going on. They're, they both got this uh, ninja gimmick coming out with, uh, complete with music. Meanwhile, Leon and Kuragaki just work it like a JWP match. You know, if I'm being generous, one out of three, two out of three, I could see someone going three and a half on it. Can't really go higher than that. I'm I'm more in the three star range. I thought it was just a little above average because the effort was there from the uh, Dash and Sachiko here. I thought they did a great job. Uh, Kuragaki. Now, I'll tell you one thing that actually brought the match down quite a quite a bit for me, and why it can't really go higher for me is this was all about Subasa Kuragaki showing out showing on her showing off her strength. Uh. And Dash and Sachiko just could not put this woman down throughout the entire match. So it got real good when they would double team Kuragaki every now and again and get some cool moves on. And But it was really Leon who was the savior. Because when Leon was in the ring, it was a lot of Lucha-esque focus and match play there, which made it very enjoyable. But don't get me wrong, Kuragaki did some awesome power moves here. She did one where she has, I believe it was Sachiko in a suplex, delayed suplex via British Bulldog style, right? And then transitions into an overhead press 
and then chucks her out of the ring to the floor onto Dash. I thought that spot ruled. She did her little cute little uh, double backbreaker attempt. Uh, she catches both of them in planches, puts them on the ground. You get the idea. Uh, it was a lot of, I'm going to pick one of these dorks up and throw them onto each other kind of situation. And they got the big win. Sachiko and Dash get the big, quote-unquote, upset with a flash roll-up via people making mistakes in the match. I believe Leon accidentally hit Kurgaki, and it was a big roll-up, big surprise finish there. Crowd definitely reacted to some near falls down the, down, the, uh, down the stretch. This is where I was kind of questioning maybe the acoustics are just bad, but you don't even get, like, the murmur that perhaps something's exciting. But Sendai Sachiko looked great. Leon looked great. Uh, Dash, the Jeff Hardy knockoff situation here. She is kind of bad still at this point in time. But Sachiko's the real star. And mixing it up with Leon and Kurgaki, I thought Sachiko was uh, very good in this. So then we get to the main event. <clears throat> Kigetsu and Yoshiko get the amazing job to sell for Mako Satomura and Aja Kong. These two are still at some sort of tip-top peak of their game. Mako Satomura makes sense because she doesn't wrestle all that often. Her body doesn't take all that long, long period of a beating, uh, especially with the Gaia schedule and now her own Sendai schedule. She doesn't... How many matches does she have in her career at this point in time, according to Cage Match? Let's see. If we go all the way to the end... Uh, she's almost at a thousand matches, according to this. So, since 1995, a thousand matches? Uh, okay. <laughs> it's actually more than I thought. How about this? How about I go to Ayako Hamada? Because she, uh, she, okay, here we go. Let's see what she's got. So, Hamada debuted in 98, and she's got 1,300. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and she hasn't wrestled in seemingly years. Um, <laughs> well, she's wrestling in Mexico sporadically, but you get the idea. And she debuted three years later and has 300 more matches. And she was essentially suspended for a good chunk of time. Let me see. Uh, no, she was in jail for a... Uh, she went to jail. I think she officially went to jail. I'm pretty sure that was the case. Anyways, <laughs> about Ayaka Amada. So yeah, I went over the story of Kagetsu wanting to beat the vet. And for 21 minutes and 17 seconds before the finish, I would say 15 minutes of this was primarily uh, Kagetsu getting beat down by both Mako and Aja Kong, primarily Mako. It was a very one-sided snooze fest of a match, which had a relatively hot finish. I'm going two and a half stars on this. I thought this was extremely boring. And if you fall asleep to this, I wouldn't shock me. Yoshiko had very little to do in the match. Occasionally, she'd come in and, and go head to head with Aja Kong, including at the beginning where they're literally head to head. And Aja Kong's pushing her back into the ropes. Uh, Mako Satomura essentially wanted to, nothing to do with Yoshiko for whatever reason. Um, very little interaction there. It was all about Kagetsu selling and trying to overcome the veterans. Now, does Mako look great? 
Yes, she does. Does Aja Kong still move well at this point in time? She does. There's a lot to there's a lot to like about the wrestlers involved in the match, but they certainly did not put on, I think, the accomplished match that they were looking out for. Uh it wasn't until Kagetsu started busting out some actual moves rather than selling in the last five minutes where I would say this finally makes your eyes open up and see what's going down. So Aja Kong hits Mako with the Urikin by accident. Little miscommunication spot there. Very typical of old guard tag team booking. And Kagetsu hits the DVD on Mako. So her own kind of finisher there. And uh, gets a two count. Aja breaks it up. And immediately. And I'm talking immediately. Kagetsu cannot get even one more move off. Mako ducks. Scorpion kick. Hits a DVD herself. Yoshiko breaks it up. Aja Kong Urikens Yoshiko, Urikens Kagetsu like twice, and uh, or was that before the first? No, that was before the first DVD. So then Mako just simply picks her up, hits another one, and pins her one, two, three. Very, very anticlimactic last thirty seconds there. Uh, they tried to tease the one near fall to get you to buy into it, but here's the thing with that: let's say Kagetsu would have pinned Mako. In that moment. Does it really count? As she got the win. When Aja Kong is the one. That plunked Mako. Before the final move. That's always a big thing. I I distinguish in a lot of these matches. Is the miscommunication spot. Followed by roll up or move. A true finish. And someone getting put over. Nine times out of ten. I lean. No. You're not put over in that sense. It's just a fraction of the story if there is one that they want to tell to someone getting over and the crowd did not react very heavily uh to the match at all it was extremely quiet for three-fourths of the match and they reacted to the one near fall that they gave them so that's the other thing this match lacked actual heat and actual believability for the crowd to be invested in that was my interpretation my own feelings as i was watching it So overall, I thought this show was basically as close to a complete dud as you can get. And being one of the larger uh, crowds we're going to see before about the 2015 era uh, that we'll get to eventually on this journey. uh, This this was a snooze fest from Sendai, and it's no wonder I'm very uh, low on this promotion many times. It's too dry. It's too basic, too bare bones, and more often than not, there's never stakes involved. I think uh, the booking is extremely poor with the promotion as well. So, when are we going to cover Sendai next? I couldn't tell you. Maybe we don't get another show until 2014, 2015. 2013? It's not looking good as we get through Sendai. So, if you're listening to this on All Japan Women Destiny, Consider subscribing to the Patreon to continue this journey and help uh, progress as we go through it. You'll get access to the Google Drive, which I have uh, the match guides, the schedule laid out, among other things, and ease of access to a lot of these DVDs that I bought and uh, thrown into that particular Google Drive. Uh, It's just for ease of access. Many of these you can can find online uh, yourselves. 
from various sites, but it's it's for helping uh, a lot of the research, buying magazines, buying DVDs that aren't in these archives sometimes. Uh, you get the idea. So that's Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon, $5 tier, $1.50 tier if you just want to help out the Joshi 2010's journey. The $5 one has the LLPW journey, among other things on there that come out on the monthly. So this was the 75th episode in the books. See you next time, everybody.